So we uh, see that Yom Kippur uh, is found in Leviticus 23 and Leviticus 16, and you're probably all familiar with it, but those of you who might not be, Leviticus 23, 26, Adonai spoke to Moses saying, however, the 10th day of the seventh month, which is starting this evening, is Yom Kippur, a holy convocation to you, so you are to afflict yourselves. You're to bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. You're not to do any kind of work on that set day, for it is Yom Kippur, to make atonement for you before Adonai your God. For anyone who does not deny himself on that day must be cut off from his people. It's pretty severe. Anyone who does any kind of work on that day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You should do no kind of work. That's if you didn't understand the sentence before. It is a statue forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. It is to be a Shabbat of solemn rest for you, and you are to humble your souls on the ninth day of the month in the evening, from evening until evening. You are to keep your Shabbat. So very quickly, to summarize these, there are eight basic things it's saying. Have services, afflict yourselves, meaning some sort of giving something up, afflict, uh, you know, something that will cause you to humble yourself. Uh, number three, offering by fire. And I always say, look, there's no temple anymore, but um, we can certainly give the fire in us to the Lord. We are his temple. So let us bring our fire to him. Four, no kind of work. Statute forever, number five. Solemn rest, six. Humble yourself, seven, and it goes from evening to evening. So it's kind of an interesting thing. I decided to look over previous Yom Kippur messages in hopes that I would not repeat any message that, messages that I did throughout the year. And I got to year 2017, and I was touched by the message. So I said, okay, I guess I can repeat some of it. It's a really personal message. It's probably the most personal message I've ever given. And I want you to feel, in a sense, what God is doing in my life over again from 2017 and again. And what I believe he might want to do in your life as well. When I think of Yom Kippur, obviously, I think of repenting asking for forgiveness of my sins. In my thinking, my sins remain somewhat the same until this year, which was in 2017. But actually, it's interesting how quickly we can forget. And I think God wanted to renew this in me this year. The very thing that I thought was my strength God showed me was an area that he considered sin in me. So here's the story. My sister-in-law passed away in 2017. Though I was able to share my faith with her, 
a few months before she died, as far as I know, she didn't believe in God. I don't know what God did with her, with the seed that I planted in her, so that's, you know, I don't know. I went back to be with my brother for a few days after she passed away. I helped him go to doctors, shoe salesmen, other types of people where he just needed things and because he doesn't drive any longer. So we just went from place to place. And I was amazed at how each person we saw talked about how much fun my brother Bob was and his wife Gloria. And how much they were going to miss Gloria. And I saw my brother break down in tears many times while I was there with him as he spoke of his wife of 51 years so fondly. My niece reacted similarly. And even my nephew, who has some issues, showed emotion concerning the loss of his mom. So I thought back to the first time I met Gloria, as my brother brought her home, brought home her, his future wife. My brother hadn't dated much. He was in his 30s. We thought he'd be a bachelor. So Gloria walks in and says to my mom, and believe this, I, I remember these words as if they were today. She says to my mother, I brought you an extravagance. As she walked into our house dressed in all black, with her black hair looking like a large beehive, my only thought was, you got to be kidding. As I got to know her better, I learned she was an atheist who smoked incessantly, loved her vodka and Diet Cokes. Her philosophy was that of Anne Rand, who was a popular writer of books like The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged, glorifying self-fulfillment as the correct way to live one's life. I believe I was always nice to her, and though she upset me in so many ways, I tried to be nice because I loved my brother and I didn't want to cause any problems. This was my history with her during the 52 years I knew her. So when I went to be with my brother after she passed away, it was just so surprising to me how much Gloria was remembered in such a positive and good light. When I got back to Tampa, I began to prepare for God's appointed times, just like this year. Just a little before Rosh Hashanah, I was impressed by God to be open to see something new in my life, a sin that I had never considered. An area of my life that I thought was a strength to love everyone and to be tolerant with those who are different than myself, God was showing me what seemed to be as a strength, though it was most times, sometimes it was a sin because my strength brought arrogance and the arrogance covered my sin. Didn't mean it got it, took it away. I mean, it, it, it caused actually the sin. However, God was telling me that I never stopped seeing Gloria through my fleshly eyes 
and never considered that someone like her was somehow still made in the image of God. Now, I'm not saying that I should be okay with her vices, but did I put up a wall that stopped me from showing God's love? Did she sense my disdain for her? Were other people willing to love and enjoy her while I couldn't because of her philosophies, vices, and other characteristics that I thought were not pleasant? Then God asked me, are there any other people who I deal with in the same way? Not a fun question. As we finish up these days of awe, I've quietly looked at myself in this area to see what God is saying to me about sin within me. So this is the reason I tell you this story. Because sin is deceitful. We often do not realize we are sinning. Our sin not only separates us from God, it also separates us from the very people we should be loving. Sin causes our thinking to set up rationalizations that oftentimes cause us to be blind to our real self. Oftentimes, people who are close to us see us more accurately. So I believe that Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is a season where we can and should let God expose what we don't normally see because we are living life as usual. In Matthew 11:4, Yeshua said in answer to whether or not he was the Messiah, go report to John what you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. You know, I always thought that it was the physical blind that Yeshua was talking about there. But as I've spent more time in the presence of God, my eyes, I have realized that they had blindness in them about my sin. And so I truly was blind, even as a believer. And God revealed, and I know this is everybody's favorite word, the schmutz. Schmutz means dirt. I guess it's, is it German or, Hebrew or Yiddish? I don't know. Is it Yiddish? Okay, thank you. So he revealed the schmutz, the dirt. It, it, you know, you got to say that. It, it, it definitely sounds like sin, doesn't it? Schmutz, you know. I feel I have a greater need to repent because of the sins that I've allowed to be hidden from myself rather than recognizing them and confronting them. The idea of loving everybody is a very, very difficult idea that we speak about very offhandedly. And... I think it's something maybe we all deal with to some extent. That we lose patience with some people who tell long stories. 
Well, we, uh, that would be me as well, by the way. It's funny, I hope my brother's not listening tonight, but when my brother calls, Bob, I hope you're not listening. I give the phone to my wife because my wife and my brother, they talk about the everything. You know, it's like every little nook and cranny they talk about. And I'm going, just give me the bottom line and any rate, God's helping me to get better even in that. Both with my wife and my brother, by the way. So how about you? Is your motivation greater to look good to yourself and others? Hide your sin from even yourself? Or to be honest and right with God? I would ask you to take tonight, tomorrow, take a good look, a real look. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and incurable. Who can know it? I, Adonai, search the heart. I try the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, Adonai said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have already refused him, for he does not see a man as man sees, for a man looks at the outward appearance, but Adonai looks into the heart. And in Psalm 44, 22, For he knows the secrets of the heart. Now that's a reason to repent because you've kept it secret, and I've kept it secret, but there's one who knows. Some people find it difficult to look at themselves. It hurts too much, and they feel like if they're going to correct something, it's going to hurt their self-image. It makes them feel like a bad person, not worthy to come to God or man. They think everyone is better than they are. Yom Kippur is a reminder that Yeshua has atoned for our sins. That means acceptance of Yeshua brings you the opportunity to see all your sins wiped clean, and not only yours, but the people who you're looking at. Probably shouldn't be. Just like you ask Yeshua to come into your life, you repent of your sins, he washes you completely clean. It's, a hard, it's hard to accept this concept because we have no example of people doing this. No model. This is where you have to believe the word of God and apply it to yourself. God loves you is not a cliche. It is real. He loves you unconditionally, and he loved you before you asked him to come into your life even. While you were steeped in sin, he showed his love to you. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Messiah died for us. Look, this understanding of this is actually rooted in Judaism. We see it in Leviticus 16, 14, and 15. We see that in temple days, the most important duty of the Kohen Hagodol, the high priest, 
was to conduct the service on Yom Kippur, only he was allowed to enter the most holy place behind the veil to stand before God. Having made a sacrifice for himself and for the people, he then brought the blood into the Holy of Holies, sprinkled it on the mercy seat, God's throne. And in Exodus 30.10, it says he did this to make atonement for himself and the people for all their sins committed during the year just ended. In Hebrews 9, re read Hebrews 9.128. That is an amazing eye-opener. Part of it is he was the Azazel, the scapegoat for our sins. Our people question the possibility of a man who is God and atones for our sin. Yet on this Yom Kippur day of atonement, we read in the Hebrew scriptures those exact thoughts. Isaiah 53, 6. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. So Adonai has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 11, as a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied by his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous, and he will bear their iniquities. He's made you and I righteous. That is incredible. Therefore, verse 12, I will give him a portion with the great, and he'll divide the spoil with the mighty, because he poured out his soul to death, and was counted with transgressors, for he bore the sin of many, interceded for the transgressors. A further description of Yeshua found in Hebrew scriptures is Isaiah 9, 5, and 6. For unto us a child is born, a son will be given to us, the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, my Father of Eternity, Prince of Peace. And you know, whenever I read this, I always tell you about the Jewish Publication Society of 1917, where they did not translate those four phrases. Instead, they put the Hebrew instead of the English, which who can guess why? Um, they, instead of putting wonderful counselor, they put Peleios. Instead of mighty God, they put El Gibor. So my only thought is they didn't want people to read it in English. Further on, of the increase of his government and shalom, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it through justice and righteousness from now until evermore. Okay, if it's evermore, that means... Yeshua's reign is forevermore. Think about it. The zeal of Adonai Tzavod will accomplish this. God has allowed me to see a number of my sins. He's also showed me Yeshua, who is the atonement for my sins. On this Yom Kippur, allow Yeshua into your life so he may atone for your sins too. So anybody here who feels they need to do this because they haven't or need to repent and, and come back to God or people on Facebook Live say, I repent, I've, I'm, I've sinned, I'm sorry. 
I believe Yeshua is my atonement for my sin. And I receive Yeshua as Lord of my life, and I dedicate my life to him. If you said those words, I would just remind you of 1 Chronicles 22:19. Now set your hearts and souls to seek after Adonai your God. Lord, I pray in the name of Yeshua, that's exactly what we will do. We will set our hearts and souls to seek after the Lord our God. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word, which is so amazing after all these years that we can still rely on it, not only believe in it, but rely on it and know that where truth is, seems to be relative in our culture, Lord, this truth never changes. And so I thank you and praise you I just ask if there's anybody here who is feeling guilty of, for their sins, I pray, Lord, that you would wash them clean, that they would be as clean from the east as from the west, because whom you have set free, Lord, is free indeed. I pray this in the name of Yeshua.